just thank the Lord for this time of worship in D.C. What a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord today. My name is Marcus, the executive pastor here. Welcome, everybody. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'd love to get to know you, get to meet you. Let's say hello in the lobby. Those of you guys online, thank you for joining us as well. Well, today we are in our last, last message in our series of Walking Through Water. I hope that you have enjoyed it. And it's going to be interesting today as we take a look at the message of, of how God's word began and, and how his word ends is, is pretty similar. And we're going to take a look at that in a little bit. But today is October 1st, right? Uh, uh, autumn is right around the corner. I got my autumn colors on today. If you notice, I'm dressed a little bit better today because my wife dressed me, right? <laughs> And so, uh, thank you, honey. I appreciate it. Uh, today's my son Marco's birthday. He is 16 years old. Amen. <laughs> and I remember 16 years ago, uh, around this time, uh, my wife and I were uh, uh, anticipating Marco's arrival. And my wife and I have four kids, and we, we, we have really enjoyed um, having kids. It's been such a huge blessing for us, but each kid was a C-section. So when Diego was born, he was almost 10 pounds. He was a C-section. Uh, then Macy was born. I think she was bigger than Diego. Uh, C-section. Uh, then Kayla was born. She was smaller, but C-section. So by the time uh, we had Kayla, our third child, my wife's insides were pretty scarred. And because of all the scar tissue, of all the operations, and the doctor warned us pretty significantly, don't have another child. Well, we have four kids. And so during the process of the pregnancy with Marco, there was a lot of concern with this pregnancy, so much where... I mean, the doctors were not very happy with Tracy. They were upset with her because this now created a very high-risk pregnancy. Uh, any moms in the house maybe have dealt with that. Can I hear amen? Where there is this concern, whether how the baby's being formed or maybe how the baby being malformed or many of you maybe have gone through these C-sections. And so, so there's this concern and, and enough where it really started to chip away at our joy of Marco coming where there was overwhelming concern. I don't know if you've ever been there as a as expectant father and mother. And I remember one time we were getting off the freeway coming up 15 north. And we were getting off Vera Rancho right before uh, we make a left to get to our house kind of towards the lake. And I think we'd come from a doctor's appointment. I don't know, but my wife and I, there was this heavy, heavy spirit in the air of the car because of the concern that the doctors were telling us of the high risk to a point where he was alluding where well, you may have to make a choice between the mom or the child and hearing those words as you can imagine are very difficult to hear and as we're at the stoplight at Vera Rancho 15 north about to make a left little Diego who's five years old at that time doesn't know what's going on as my wife and I are holding hands and looking at each other and we can both, we're communicating without communicating. You guys have been there before? Right. 
And little Diego, in the back of the car, or minivan, I'm sure, because we've had 15 minivans. If you need to know what minivan to get, come talk to us. We, we know them all. He starts singing this song. But the voice of truth and little Diego. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says do not be afraid. But the voice of truth says this is for my glory. Out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. When my son sang that, the spirit of joy and peace just overwhelmed us. And from that moment on, we did not live in fear of the pregnancy. And, and when Markle was born, we had that same feeling that all parents have. Man, there's nothing like holding a newborn. Can I hear amen? Man, it is so just precious and beautiful and soft and you you stare at it and you and you smell the baby and you you count the toes over and over again and you count the digits over and over again and then everything is cute about the first when the baby's born look at the smile it just has gas it's really not smiling well today we're going to talk about new things and we're going to talk about God making all things new and just like in the book of Genesis as the creator creates the creation new and perfect and without a blemish but as we know as the story goes right that 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 began to fall apart but we're going to see today and juxtapose the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and we're going to be in chapters 21 and 22, to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, and see some parallels there and see how God indeed is going to restore, to redeem, and make everything new. Uh, it's football season. I love football season. I used to love football season because I loved watching football. Now I love football season because I love taking naps, right? It's a good excuse for me to take a nap. What you see here is uh, a football helmet in ninth, from 1957, I think. I think from the Green Bay Packers. And, and that helmet is no longer used in football for many reasons. But could you imagine playing a football game, withstanding those collisions, I see you shaking your head, Peter, right? No way. No way. Because, because these helmets are outdated. And these helmets were the first helmets introduced. But certainly, they're way different from the helmets now. If you, if you know me and my family, most of you guys know we're very active. Uh, our kids play a lot of sports. And uh, for yesterday is a great example. Marco had a soccer game at 12. Uh, then he had a football game for his high school at 7. And then my daughters who play soccer at Westmont had a game at Azusa, which they beat. Them. No, I'm sorry, Biola. They beat Biola. But 
Now my son, Diego, now plays soccer at Biola, and they got beat by Westmont. So I don't know how many games there were yesterday of the Preciado kids. But, but here's the deal. My son, Diego, uh, he's, he's visiting here today. He gave me something really beautiful. Um, he was blessed to go to Stanford, study mechanical engineering, and play football there. Yeah, praise the Lord for his goodness. He gave me something that made me cry when, when he gave it to me. He gave me this. Thank you, Diego. He gave me his, his um, football helmet he wore his senior year. And what this represents, God's faithfulness in his life. God's goodness in his life. God fulfilling dreams in the life of my family and my kids. But this helmet is way different from this helmet. Right? They did, they did like a laser uh, measuring of his head. This helmet technology in here, it, 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 there's chips and stuff and all kinds of science that goes in there that checks collisions, that, that checks pressure, right? In this helmet is his autograph and his name. When I played football at San Diego State, they just picked the helmet. I don't even think it fit me. Right? They gave me a used mouthpiece that I had to reboil. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they did. <laughs> and the point is this, that what was originally established for the protection of this area, what exists nowadays is so far superior, so much better. And for us, as we take a look at Revelation today and take a look at this God that makes all things new, for us to understand the end, for us to understand what an amazing blessing this helmet is, you have to understand that. And for us to understand the amazing end that is coming, we have to understand the beginning. So, let's take a look at Genesis Verses, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. You can turn with me there. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read it. But if you want to turn there, Genesis 2, verses 8 through 10. Now your page is turned, so I'll give you a moment to get there. It says this. Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, 10, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four head waters. So here's the picture. God creates creation, and he creates this place for man to dwell, this, this city of Eden, this garden of Eden. And within it, he's provided everything for them to dwell, and what is providing life to the plants and the fruits was this river. And we've seen through this walking through water series 
how water is represented and used in many ways in the Bible. But as we know that Jesus called himself a lot of things, right? And, and one of them was the, 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 the living water. So even here right now, think of this garden. And out of this garden was this living water, not only that provided life in the garden. Check this out. It went out and separated in four ways. And when you think of four directions, what comes to my mind is north, south, east, and west. Covers everywhere. So not only was that river of life providing water in that area, but even beyond. And we know that Jesus is the living water. So we have this garden. We have this, this place that, that represents life, nourishment, a city, because it was a place that they dwelt with God in peacefully. And so Eden is this place, and there's a direct correlation as you read the story of the Bible that this concept of Eden, where, where God could dwell with man in peace, where God could dwell with, with, with man and, and all this beautiful environment, this concept of Eden was going to be extended basically to let Jerusalem represent that. It's interesting, Jerusalem, later on, because man could no longer enter into Eden. Can I hear Amen. Right, what God created that perfect place, now God protected with these angels. So man was no longer allowed there, but that concept is rebirthed through the concept, the city of Jerusalem. So follow along with me here because it's very important for the message. So now we have Jerusalem representing that area, which is instead of this garden, this city that man can dwell with God interesting if you take a look at the word Jerusalem the name Jerusalem Jerusalem means city of peace so God established the city of peace now that Eden was not available now now we have Jerusalem where the temple is God's presence the ark of the covenant God's presence now representing that place where man could dwell with God so keep that in mind as we begin to look at Revelation 22, then we'll dive into 21. So the first three verses of Revelation 22 says this. The angel showed me the river of the water of life. Let me pause there. Revelation, the root word of revelation is what, church? Reveal. So don't think of this as some secret code. You guys following me? Don't think of this as some crazy thing we have to unlock the mysteries of. Although there's a lot of that in there, but there's some stuff that's just so plain and right there in front of you revealing. And here John is giving an account what God revealed to him. And now he's describing heaven, new Jerusalem. So that's where we are. The angel of the Lord showed me. A river of the water of life. Hmm. Where have we heard that concept? Right there in the beginning. As clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God 
and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the what? Of the what? City. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And and the leaves of the tree are there for healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. So now John is describing what God has revealed to him, this city, this place that as you read it, it's very reminiscent some of the terminology of the Garden of Eden. Can I hear amen? Right, with this, with this river flowing, giving life to the tree of life, which we just saw in Genesis 2, was the tree of life. This is pretty cool stuff here. Now let's take a look at Revelation 21, 1 through 8, the chapter before. It says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Keep that in mind. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. Let's pause there. It's set in this imagery and it's explaining this new Jerusalem. This new city of peace. Jesus' title, one of his titles was the Prince of. And where does the Prince of Peace reign? Well, he indeed reigns in the city of. So, often when I was a kid, I would think of heaven and I would get scared. I don't know if anybody else has gone through that. Because I would think of eternity. And, and I could not grasp, still I cannot, I could not grasp the concept of eternity. And then the images and the stories and, and, and what I saw of heaven was like, Little naked babies playing harps on the clouds. I'm like, and I don't, I don't understand that either. Right? Little babies with wings and harps. And I'm not sure that's, right? That, I don't know if that's heaven. And we think of heaven as some ethereal, right, space beyond. A, but that's not the biblical heaven. That's not how the Bible describes heaven. That's how man has interpreted, and we've heard stories, we've heard these narratives. And today we're going to take a look at how the Bible describes heaven. Are you guys with me? What the Bible says about heaven and what it's expressing is this city, Jerusalem, new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven. 
As we've talked about before, there's three heavens. And in Spanish, right, cielo means sky, and cielo also means heaven. So it's easy to understand, but there's three heavens that the Bible refers to. It's like this fly your kite, right? Oh, look at my kite up in the heaven, right? Look at the clouds. Where are the clouds floating around in heaven? Then the next heaven is beyond the earth's atmosphere when we see the stars, the solar system. They are in heaven. And then Paul talks about that time where he went to the third heaven. Follow me here. Which is that space beyond all of that. And Paul was like, yo, I know this guy. He's talking to himself. That... um. He went to the third heaven. I'm not sure if it was in the body or in spirit. I don't know because we know Paul had many near-death experiences or maybe even a couple of death experiences. And what I, I'm paraphrasing, right? He didn't, Paul didn't talk like me. Yo, and what I saw there, woo-hoo. Listen, I can't even begin to explain. Explain how amazing and phenomenal it was. But we hear this concept of from that third heaven, this city coming down. And it's established, right, that there's creation going to be made new. So today's message may challenge our concepts of heaven. Today's message may challenge our concept of what eternity is going to look like. It's not a message on heaven. We have one coming up, by the way, in December. But this is just kind of a, a sneak peek as we take a look at today's message. So, the new Jerusalem coming down out from heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now, God's dwelling place is now among men. Do we see that language there? It's not, where are men among? Men are among where? We're among the earth. Are you guys with me? His dwelling place is coming down. Boom. So he could dwell among men. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. Let's keep going here. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. He is the living water. It is Jesus Christ that will provide that eternal nourishment. Seven. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God. And there will be many, they will be my children. They will be my children. But the cowardly, there's a distinct terrorized, I want there's a separation. I want you guys to follow me. These people will be my children. These making a distinction that some will not. So are you guys following me? These will be my children. These will inherit. 
God has special things for his children. Now, there's these blessings that come to everybody, right? Regardless of how you feel about the Lord, you get the blessing of a sunset. Regardless about how you feel about the Lord, you get the blessing of experiencing the seasons. Regardless of how you feel about the Lord, whether you believe in him, whether you're kind or evil or righteous or whatever, you get the blessing of life. You guys following me? But, but there's certain people that get reserved these special blessings from God. That, 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 that get this salvation through belief in Jesus Christ. Not everybody. That get these, these, these things that they will inherit. I have four kids. When we go to Disneyland, I take four kids. I'm not taking your kids. Right? It's expensive. When we go to Hawaii, I take four kids. I'm not taking their friends. They're staying here in San Diego. Why? Although I love their friends and they're welcome to my house to enjoy some of the blessings and, yeah, help yourself to the fridge, right, and some snacks. Are you guys with me? But my children, I'm not taking to Hawaii, right? So everybody gets to enjoy the blessings of God, but these blessings, eternity, salvation, inheritance are reserved for his children, right? So let's continue on there. Eight, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I understand, once again, this is not politically correct. But once again, I don't care. Right? Because politically correct isn't getting my butt to heaven. You guys with me? Jesus Christ is my route toward heaven. And along the way, hey, like I said, the Bible offends me because it points out how erred I am, how flawed I am, right? And so we see a distinction here of these verses. Verse 5, let's focus on verse 5 here. It says this, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. He said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Revelation 21.5, God is making everything new. Let's take a look at this statement right here. Satan intended to thwart God's plan, but God is committed to fulfilling it. We see from the beginning in the book of Genesis how God had this plan. Are you with me? But through sin... Right? The, uh, Satan tried to thwart it. And then, and then Satan knew that God told him, hey, there's now these curses. And through the, for, through the woman, now there's, there's pain. There's pain in birth. For the men, there's toil in your labor. There's thistles. And for you, the serpent, right, you're going to be crushed. Right? You're going to bite the heel. But you're going to be crushed. Your head's going to be crushed. He knew God was saying, the serpent's going to be crushed. So now he's trying to never let Christ come. You even seen through Cain and through Abel, him thinking, man, is it Abel that's going to, that, 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 that offspring from, from um, Eden? So he killed, right? And then he looks, if you look at, at, at the, the Egypt, right? 
trying to kill all the firstborn. The story of Moses, are you guys following me? He was put in the, in the sea. Because, oh, firstborn. God's son's coming from his people. Right? We see it through Jesus. Satan thought killing Jesus would win. All this story of the devil trying to thwart God's plan. Here's the deal, too. The devil's trying to thwart God's plan in your life. The devil's trying to thwart God's plan in my life. But thank the Lord, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because what God's plans are for me, the devil doesn't want them fulfilled. What God's plans are for you, the devil doesn't want them fulfilled. And he's always trying to stop them, to change them, to destroy them. But we know as children of God, ultimately, his word will be fulfilled in us. Can I hear amen? As children of God, ultimately we will be victorious. Some of us experience a lot of that on this side of eternity. But some of us really have to wait to the other side of eternity for all those things to be fulfilled. Because indeed they will be fulfilled with all of us. So let's take a look at Revelation 21.1 as we dive into the official points here. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. First point today, God will make his creation new. So we're starting like, think of a funnel, okay? We're starting right here. Boom, as wide as it can be. Creation. God is making a new heaven and a new earth. That's odd to think about. But if you even look at the science, what is it telling you about earth? Right? It's dying off. And they have the predictions of these years, which they don't know. But what they do know is the world is degenerating. Not only in morality, but actually the physicality of the earth. Right? The sun's dying, the stars are dying, the earth is dying. Guess what? The Bible states this thousands of years ago that heaven and earth will pass away. As a matter of fact, it says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I love that. Jesus himself said all this. So the concept is all creation will be made new, including this earth. And all of its falling apart will be made new because, listen, that was God's original plan. Can I hear amen? But, but he, 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 that was his plan. It's not like the devil outsmarted Jesus. It's not like God was like, oh, darn. I got to have a different plan now. No. God's not going to let the devil win. And God created the earth beautiful and he said it was good and sin came in. Try to thwart those plans, but God's plans will still be fulfilled by him recreating a new heaven and a new earth. Not only will he create it, will he recreate it, but he will also perfect it. Oh, that's beautiful. Notice it says there no more sea. Very interesting because... This concept of the ocean and sea in the Bible is always something that represents peril, danger, disaster, death that God has us saved from. I was in 
sixth grade, fifth, sixth grade. It, I love the ocean. I love swimming. I love body surfing. But I, whenever I'm swimming in the ocean, there's always this feeling of peril. I don't know if you guys are like me. And the further I go, <laughs> the more frightened I become. Now, I fight that fear, but once in a while I'm in the ocean, right, and I'm kind of, I like to swim and body surf, and I feel something tag my leg. I don't know, but I have this move. <laughs> That's the, what the heck just swam against me? It's similar to my spider web move, which is this, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'll just be walking, hey, honey, anyways, what is it, a spider web? And so there's always this deep-rooted concern and fear. And when I was in sixth grade, uh, our youth group went to, I grew up in North Carolina. We went to a field trip with the church. And we were going to go see, I think, an aquarium or something. And we took these Misty and Missy, who just recently gave their life to the Lord in youth group. And... We stopped at the beach before. I don't know, maybe there was 12, 15 of us. And Misty and Missy twins, maybe ninth grade, one of my sister's friends. And I remember us going out in the ocean, which we weren't plan, planning to do. And so therefore, we had, I don't know, I think I had pants, jeans on, and a shirt. And we're like, well, let's just go in the ocean as kids do is so remember this is North Carolina it's not San Diego so seeing the ocean you see it maybe once a year from where I live maybe once every two years so we didn't want to miss that opportunity and and as I was swimming I experienced something I never experienced before because I didn't go to the ocean or the sea much and I experienced this current pushing me back and back and back and back well, I didn't know it was as simple as, right, you guys are swimmers know what to do. Swim left to the right and swim out of that current. So me wearing jeans, me panicking, and my, my best friend behind me as we're being pushed back. And I see the, the shore getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And this sense of panic just set into my heart. And on top of that, my best friend Ralphie is experiencing the same. So I'm trying to save him as he's using my neck as a buoy, and I'm, I'm taking in water, spitting it out, and all I remember is that I blacked out. I remember seeing these people come rescue me. Next thing I remember, I'm on the shore, quiet and silent and like processing what just happened. And I see the adults of the church I start counting. Who's Missy? Who's Missy? That's me. Ralphie, where's Missy? Next is where's Missy? Missy died. She drowns in the sea. And I remember that night, my dad was the pastor of the church. I remember that night, my mom and dad driving to Missy's house. No, a day of cell phones. My parents didn't know their parents' number. 
knocking on the door, and we're in the van, quiet, and we've not said a word for hours. And I remember my dad going in, and I remember hearing a scream of anguish. And I remember seeing that woman pound on my father's chest, yelling, screaming, as my dad just stood there taking those buffets and those hits, expressing that her belovedness he was dead. It said there that there's not going to be that sea. And if we take a look at the Bible, right, we see the flood that destroyed the whole earth. We see that the Red Sea caused that destruction and destroyed those Egyptian armies. We see that Jonah was thrown into the Mediterranean Sea to calm it. We see that Jesus calmed the Sea of Galilee when he was in the boat with his disciples because the waters had started to come into the boat. And we see that Paul got shipwrecked in the Adriatic Sea. So when this little throwaway phrase said there's not going to be a sea, what it's saying there in this heaven, in this new Jerusalem, those things that cause death, those things that cause peril and destruction are no longer. Are no longer. What a beautiful illustration of that. Isaiah 65, 17 says this. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. He will create new heavens and a new earth. Let's take a look at Revelation 21, verse 2. It says this, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Second point today, God will make his cities new. We see that God is going to make creation new. Can I hear amen? Let's establish that. Ah, and when I say cities, think of Jerusalem and think of Eden. Are you with me? Because those are the dwelling places that God established that got corrupted. Well, he's going to make those new as well as we see right there. Let's take a look at this verse again from Isaiah that we just read. We're going to read the other verses. Follow along with me. You can go there or you can just listen. Isaiah 65, 17 to 19. Isaiah 65, 17 to 19 says this. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. Okay, we read that. The former things will, will not be remembered, nor will they, nor will they be, will come to mind. Here's the other verses. This is 18. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem. To be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. So here's the concept. Okay? New earth, new heavens. Oh, within there, Eden is restored. Jerusalem is redone. It's now the new Jerusalem, the city of peace. And the Bible indeed gives us size and scope 
of this new Jerusalem that's coming from heaven so that God can dwell with men. Is everybody following me? This next illustration you see there gives scale. If one were to take the dimensions that we're about to listen to of the new Jerusalem and place that on the earth. Are you guys following me? Right. It's going to be better than the cardboard box. Do we see how big this box is juxtaposed to our land? Do we see that? These are the dimensions of this new Jerusalem that Revelation 21 is describing. So take a look at that as I just read. This is Revelation 21, 15 through 21. It says this, The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide, and measured the city with a rod and found it to be 1,200 stadia in length, as wide and high as it is long. 18. The wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city's walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth tur turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth uh, amethyst, the twelve gates, were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold, as pure as transparent glass. So we see here the description of this new city. Whether God is using terms that John can comprehend or whether he's giving the layout their bigger point is this, how brilliant and magnificent is heaven. How awesome and wonderful is this place that God is preparing for us. That Paul had no words to share. That God had no, that Paul had no way to express Look at this beautiful description of it. And God is going to redeem his creation. Verse 3, as we're wrapping up here, says this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Third point, God will make his children new. So we see God will make creation new. Can I hear amen? Right? God will make his cities new. Right? He's going to restore Jerusalem and Eden. And now we see that God will make his children new. Because an imperfect people can't be in the presence of a perfect God that dwells in a perfect kingdom. So how can we dwell with this perfect God? How can we dwell in this perfect kingdom if we are not made new? But indeed, we will be made new. And I love these verses that hopefully will encourage us here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. 
Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Man, beautiful. Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says this. But our citizenship is in heaven. Friends, this is temporary. Can I hear amen? This is, although this is what we know and it's very tangible, but this is temporary. Our citizenship. As much as I love this nation, which I do, my ultimate citizenship is not American. It is of heaven. That's where my allegiance lie. Read this. But we are citizens in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Oh, this is great. Not only have we been made new in essence, but our bodies are regenerated. I love this part. I love this part, right? Let's take a look at this 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44. It says this, so it will be that with the resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor as it falls apart, right, and it, and it decomposes. But let's see how it's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. 1 Corinthians 15, 44. I especially like these, right? So not only will creation be made new, not only will his cities be made new, but his children will be made new. I don't know what you're going through today. I've had seven knee surgeries. You guys see me limping around a little bit. It's not to be cool, right? It's because I tore another ligament summertime playing beach volleyball. And so now I'm going to need a reconstructive surgery, my eighth knee surgery. My body's falling apart. And all of yours will too. Well, that's a great encouragement today, right? <laughs> You're all going to die. Every one of you. <laughs> but the beauty is that I'm going to have a glorified body. I'm going to have a body made new. I'm going to have a body made perfect, perfected. Sown in perishable, raised imperishable. Sown in dishonor, raised in honor as his child. So we have a God that makes all things new. And my encouragement today, if you are hearing this and go, well, those things are reserved for his children. Where do you stand as a child of God? Because NBC doesn't provide salvation. Can I hear amen? It's only through that decision, through receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. That allows us now to be his children and to inherit these wonderful things and all these new things that he has for us. So if you today have not made that decision, I just want to encourage you, make that decision. Make that decision to say, I want to be a child of God. 
I want to be the one that inherits this. You can just there in your heart say, that's what I'm going to choose to do. Repent. The issue of walking this way and the repentance is this, then walk this way. Can I hear amen? Repent and believe that's what Christ called us to do. I encourage you to make that choice today. And if you need help with making that choice, simply ask me, ask Riley, ask DJ. We'd love to walk you through that. But let's remember we have a God that makes all things new. Creation, cities, and his children. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word, Lord. I thank you so much for heaven and the new Jerusalem, Lord, and the, the place that we're going to be able to dwell with you, Lord forever. And I pray, Lord, as we take this time to receive of the cup, Lord, and of the bread, Lord, that will reflect on your goodness, God, that will reflect on what you have done, the price you have paid for that, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that no one would walk out of here today without making that decision to become your child, to become your son to become your daughter. We thank you, Lord, and we thank you for making all things new. In your name we pray. Amen.